0: are listening to Vantage Point Podcast, dedicated to giving godly perspective to everyday living. Let's get into this week's episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Vantage Point Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Ruffin, and I'm glad you decided to tune in this week as we jump in the week five of this series we've been in called Who Is This Jesus? And if this is your first time listening, man, I thank you uh, for being here. Uh, Vantage Point, we we air weekly. Uh, this week we're on Tuesday, but we'll be back on our regular Monday schedule uh, in in the next week because this next episode after today is going to be on Sunday. But we're going to be back to every Monday in two weeks. And I just encourage you to stay connected to Vantage Point, whether it's on Instagram, here, anything at all. Our Instagram is this is Vantage Point, and then the website is VantagePointPodcast.us as we continue. To move through season three. We have a few more uh, awesome series planned out that's going to even conclude with a reboot of a person's of Interest series that we did back in 2020 that's going to air in July. Uh, But before all that, we've been in this series uh, for the past four weeks, and we've been focusing on a single question, and that question, who is Jesus Christ? And we've been looking at foundational principles about Jesus we uncovered just what he said about himself and then for the last two weeks we've been looking at some specific miracles of Jesus during during his ministry and so for this week week 5 we're going to dig into a specific piece of scripture that shows a very intimate and personal side of Jesus and this moment I really believe gives us a side of Jesus that many of us if not all of us can relate to in our own lives and this moment actually takes place in a garden, and that garden is the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's a very important piece of the story of Jesus, and do truly believe it's vital to who he is and something we can gain from it. And so for week five of Vantage Point, uh, Who Is This Jesus? series, the title is going to be The Cup Bearer. And this moment that we're going to look into is shortly after the Last Supper, and it's the discovery um, of the disciple that who's, who will betray Jesus. And we're gonna actually start in Matthew 26, uh, verses 36 through 46. And we're gonna start in 36. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned in verse 40, he says, he he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. And then he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless i drink it may your will be done and when he came back he found again them sleeping because their eyes were heavy so he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time saying the same thing and in verse 45 it says then he returned to the disciples and said to them are you sleeping and resting look the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners rise let us go here comes my betrayer, and when we really look at this story, and and that whole passage of scripture is just so much in there. Whether it's Jesus's emotions, his disciples, and, and what he's praying to God, you know, there's really three things we can take out of that time he spent in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and first, it, it what we see, it's a time of deep. Agony, deep stress for Jesus, right? Hear the words in, in verse 38. It says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And, and even in Luke, it says his the he he prayed earnestly and his he was really feeling the weight of what he was about to endure. And and there are a few times in the gospels we, we see the emotions of Jesus described in such a way, but this is one reason why this time in the garden that, that Jesus had in the scripture is so vital um, in our understanding of who he is. And I want you to think about it for a minute. It's not like Jesus didn't know what was about to happen, right? He went through his whole ministry telling his disciples that this moment would come, these things would happen, trying to prepare them um, for it, right? He knew how it would happen and why it had to happen. He, he is the son of God. He knew everything, but yet— in this moment, Jesus displays some of the rawest human emotions that we that we really see him do, right? And, and when I think about that, like, you know, we don't know how we'll die. We, we don't know that, right? But Jesus, again, knew the exact process he would endure in death, which had to be troubling on top of what he was feeling, right? And when we think about the way in which he was he was going to his death, right? He was going to die was with through crucifixion, which at the time, you know, crucifixion is described as one of the most prolonged and painful ways to die right your hands and feet are pierced you your exposure to the environment around you it could be the dead of summer it could be the the harshest of winter and, and you're surrounded in that fully exposed right and, and then you have the crowds of people mocking you and, and doing things and so now you have the mental strain along with the physical strain and, and then not to mention that crucifixion lasted for hours and in some cases days and this was intentional um intentionally made to be a slow death because it was to make sure the person experienced the most agony possible going to death right and and it and, it, and for the Roman um Romans at the time it served as a deterrent to other people as well right and you and when you think about it Jesus's death and you think about the weight of this right the agony that he must have felt that his death wasn't just an ordinary death either. And yes, he would endure and suffer and die like anyone else going through death, but he is also bearing the sins of the whole world in him, right, that's that's why he went to the cross. And so his pain and suffering isn't just his alone, it, it's magnified because he's carrying the weight of our sins. He carried the weight of our sins in his cup, right? And I think in this moment, like the human side of Jesus felt the weight of that cup, right? He felt the responsibility that God entrusted him with, and it filled him with agony, filled him with sorrow, filled him with with this this moral dilemma that he is is facing and wrestling against, right? And and it clearly overwhelmed him, right? And, And I want you to just think like, imagine feeling the weight of the sin of the world on your shoulders. It might not be a cup you'd want to right you wouldn't want to right and and when you think secondly like this is wrestling and resolution going on right and and when we when we're met with having to bear our cup we we might experience the same moment right we wrestle with it we and then we have to come to a resolve or at least we should come to that resolve right And, and you think about like Getting a doctor's report that says you have cancer, or a mother being told she, you know, there's a complication in her pregnancy, uh, and, and even if your moment isn't one of those things, there, there's always a moment of suffering, a moment of taking your cup, and having to wrestle with taking it, wrestle with dealing with it, whether it's the news or whatever it is, right? And there's this, you, you hear the news, and you're hoping that that a miracle can happen, or maybe you don't even have to deal with this, right? And then how come, you know, why can't we just not think about it and pray for it not to be right? Jesus literally prayed to God and said, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Jesus prayed this three times to God. And when I think about this moment of prayer between Jesus and God, I look at my own moments of bearing a cup when 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 you know, when I haven't reached a moment of resolution, I, I may need to go to God multiple times in prayer just like Jesus and 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 be honest and be that and just really say god I don't like this I don't want this god I hate this because the weight of it is a lot it it's oh I mean my goodness like how and why do I have to but what's what's wild is that's not a surprise to God. The cup we bear, the feelings we have about it, and not our moment of resolution, none of it is a surprise to him. And what truly helps us get from wrestling to resolution is having a relationship with God. And and even though Jesus has this real moment of wrestling, he finds his resolution through the relationship with his father. And in this relationship, Jesus knows one thing, the will of God will be done and he is there with me through this, right? Jesus brought the realest emotions to the garden and he left with a resolved spirit that closed the door on any doubt about what was to come, right? And I imagine like seeing the face of Jesus before uh, and after the third prayer, right? That deep wrestling look, right? That depth of it, trying to go you know, back and forth, back and forth, gotta go pray again, gotta go pray again. And then at the moment of resolution, getting up and then listen to his words in verse verse 46 it says rise let's go here comes my betrayer in other words it's go time right And, and third this garden was this moment was a time of weakness and failure right and when we look at the disciples right in this moment they they just kept letting Jesus down right and at the beginning he told them to keep watch first prayer. He found them sleeping and, and, and told them to watch and pray. He comes back again and finds them sleep again. And after the third prayer, he came back and said, are you still sleeping and resting? Like he gave his disciples a specific plan, keep watch and pray. And Jesus is, he's dealing with some of the heaviest emotions of his life and his closest people are sleep and not on guard. And he tells them in verse 41, the spirit is willing to but the flesh is weak. And I want you to think about that for a minute, because even when we see some of the interactions with Peter throughout this, before we get to the garden, um, and even after it, you, you kind of see the spirit of Peter um, is strong, right? He, he's ready to die for, with Jesus. He even says, I'll, I won't betray you. I'll die with you. But in that sleeping, we can see the flesh is weak. We know in Peter's denial, the flesh is weak. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. And when I think about these moments, right, we think about um, this deep agony that Jesus had and, and this time of wrestling and resolution that he had, and even the time of weakness and failure in the disciples and all of these things, right? It's like, what do we take away from Jesus, right? Who, when we think about our question of this whole series, who is this Jesus? Like, what does this moment in the garden show us about Jesus? And really two big things that come to mind for me. And the first is we are, we know that Jesus, um, as, the true word that became flesh, John 1:14. Or we know it, and and we also know the incarnate Son of the Lord God, born of a virgin, and called Emmanuel. God is with us, Isaiah 7:14. This means that Jesus is very much divine, and we talked about this in week one. We know he's the Son of God, 100%, and he fully, completely is that. But we also know that he's 100% man, and in this moment we really see the most connected, I feel that we can relate to Jesus in his human form in his, as a man, he is experiencing all the things and the realities of his emotions were like, he couldn't, he couldn't escape what was inevitable. Right. And Jesus had talked about this moment. We mentioned that earlier throughout his whole ministry, but now he's face to face himself with the emotions of what he's been preparing his disciples for and in this small moment he feels like he's not ready for it right and he feels the weight of it the gravity of what's to come and for us this moment shows us to not ignore or hide not ignore our emotions from ourselves but don't hide those emotions from God or the people that are closest to us, like when these situations hit, when we, when we're in that deep despair, you know, it, it's something we, we want to put on a fake facade. We want to be like, we're all okay. You know, we're blessed and highly favored and we're going to make it through. And like, no, like honestly, really that the feelings you have though, the suffering in the, before you even get to the suffering, the, the emotions and weight of the suffering, um, sometimes can be more devastating because we tend to ignore the emotions, right? And, and to really ignore those emotions, we really ignore ourself, our, our right? We really ignore who we really are because how can we ignore something that Jesus called out and didn't ignore, right? And, and I've mentioned this on many episodes, like I, I am a huge Star Trek fan. And one of the things, if you watch Star Trek, there's a race of people called the Vulcans, right? And, and one thing that they do, and the people that play their characters, is that they never show emotion. They have them, but they have somehow trained themselves to suppress all emotions. And and, and one of the episodes, I can't remember what series it in, it, it's in, but one of the one of the uh, Starfleet officers is talking to a Vulcan and he says the, this quote, he says something to the effect of denying your emotions is denying your true self. And when we really think about that, like that's that, that, that's very true because we'll go through situations and we'll somehow want to hide or keep our emotions away from the people closest to us, or even keep them away from God. When in fact, he knows exactly what we're feeling before we even feel them. And the matter of what's really important is, will we take those things to him? Because one of the things that that I've, I've learned in my own um, walk, and I want you to remember this, is that holding on to our emotions affirms our need to still be in control, right? So when we have these emotions about a situation, about the cup we have to bear, we, we literally are saying to God, like, no, I don't want to give you these emotions. I want to hold on to these because I can still control these. And I have a situation, I have a cup that I have to bear that I, I don't know what to do with. I can't control it. I, I, I It's too much for me, but I can hold these emotions even though I really can't control those either. But those are in me, so I'm going to hold on to these. And I, I want to be in control of these. But what we know is is that when we're transparent with those emotions, it's our release of control. We're li- that's when we say to God, when we go to God in prayer earnestly, just as Jesus did, he is literally giving Jesus his power, right? He's, remember, he's casting his cares to Jesus, to, to God, excuse me. He is casting those cares. And, and I love in Luke, it even says that an angel is with him in the garden. And, and, and when you start to really get the totality and context of this garden in this moment, like it truly shows that we, we have to lo- we, we have to lose the mindset that expressing our real feelings is a weakness because it's far from that, right? We see two things from Jesus in this um, lamenting of his emotions, right? We see real humanity and we see hu- humility. And humanity in acknowledging emotions that we that we know we deal with and the humility in knowing that emotions are bigger than me, right? These emotions are bigger than me. I, I can't control them. And, and they overwhelmed. They got to the point of overwhelming him to the point where he was greatly troubled with this. And, and the great news is like when you read this story and you get to the end and you get to verse 46, the thing that we know is that. While those emotions might have felt bigger to Jesus in the moment, he comes to the resolution and the resolve that God is bigger than these emotions. So the resolution is tied with the understanding that God's will must be done. And that takes me to the second key of this moment in the garden is Jesus's acceptance of the cup was the acceptance of God's will, and, and when we pray, we ultimately know that God's will must be done. We even may, in prayer, that way, and say, "God, whatever you want to do, right?" And and, and 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 we say that, but do we really mean it? And because we we want to, we want God's will to be done. We know it has to be done. We know it will be done. But we get real skeptical and we get real fearful when the will is associated with suffering. But in some cases, the will of God will include suffering. And the only way to accept the will of God is to accept your cup. And in the garden, even in Jesus's prayers, he says, not as I will, but as you will. Right. And in Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, it says, yet not my will, but your wills be done. And while the emotions were high for Jesus, his strong prayers always led back to the will of God. And, and, and I mentioned it earlier, but you know, our cup may not be the death on the cross, but we're, we're going to experience some other suffering of some kind at some way at some time. And it's going to be a suffering that honestly, we're going to look at and we're going to think, oh God, nope, I don't want to do this. I don't want to deal with that. But let me tell you that to deny the cup is to deny God's will. And and if you look at the disciples journey with Jesus, there were several times when it didn't seem like they were accepting the will of God when it came to Jesus. Right. And, And even before the garden, Peter was told he would deny Jesus three times. And his response, he says, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Right? Another moment is shortly after this in the moment in the garden uh, when, when, when Judas brings the soldiers and, and, and they arrest Jesus and Peter gets wild and cuts off the soldier's ear. And, and Jesus says to him, and this is uh, Matthew twenty six fifty two through 54. It says, Jesus said to him, put your sword back in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And it says, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. But then how will the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? And and what we see, like both moments show Jesus attempting to pass on understanding to Peter that, look, your words and your actions don't align with the will of God. Your sword is not in line with the will of God. This is meant to happen. This happens has to happen. The fulfilling of scripture is God's will. We may not like it, but it's something we have to accept. And it's funny, again, we mentioned like all through his ministry, he's been preparing his disciples for this moment and they weren't ready. They didn't see it. They, they could not connect the will of God to what was happening because their emotions were running high. They had different emotions, but they had emotions nonetheless. And and really, when I think about it, you know, and as I close this out, there's one thing that is clear. Suffering is always difficult to understand. We see the struggle Jesus had. Even the disciples struggle with with their suffering in their way. And if we're honest, we struggle with it. Nobody wants to suffer. And and we'd be naive to think that it's something we don't want to do or something we don't want to or something we want to endure. And here's what I know about suffering. It it doesn't last forever. And we know this because we can look to Jesus and his life. And this is what this week is all about, right? The suffering that Jesus endured lasted for a moment. And then what we're going to find out in the next episode, and what we already know, is that he rose again. And, and I also know that suffering doesn't mean disobedience. And I love this quote by Chuck Swindoll. He says this way, he says, When you suffer, that does not mean you're being disobedient to God. In fact, it might mean you're right in the center of his will. The path of obedience is often marked by times of suffering and loss. And I just, the way that is worded, it might mean, so the cup you bear might mean that you're not just in the will of God, but you're in the center of his will, like I, I don't know like if that resonates with somebody, but when I hear the words, right in the center of God's will, like I can't think of a place you'd rather be. If I'm right in the center, I'm right in the middle, I'm right at the place of God's will that I need to be. And it might be suffering, it may not be, but to deny it is to deny his will. And, and, and when I think about it, like even in the midst of our suffering, we know God is with us just as he is in our highest moments. And, and that's what I, I love that, you know, we see that throughout Scripture, Jesus is, God is right there with Jesus. And, and, and we might think like, how can God be with us even through suffering? And again, it comes through having relationship with him. And the reason Jesus can say, if there is no way, other way, do it your way, is because he trusts God. And we, like Jesus, have to trust God is with us in all we do and all we suffer. And accepting this life doesn't absolve you for suffering, right? Doesn't you, you coming to Jesus and giving your life to Christ does not absolve you from suffering, but it does guarantee you won't suffer alone. And just like every week in this series, I'm going to extend this invitation of salvation to you. And you might be out there suffering. You might be looking in the mirror and asking why. You might be asking God, is there another way? And God is saying, instead of me taking this cup, allow me to walk with you while you hold the cup. Let's pray. God, it's me. I want you to repeat after me. I don't want to suffer or do life alone. You gave your son, Jesus, as a sacrifice for me, a sacrifice given for me, even as I am now. I want a relationship with you. I believe Jesus died and rose and is in heaven. I invite you into my heart and my life as Lord and Savior. Amen. And I'm telling you, if you prayed that prayer, I'm, I'm so proud of you. You've stayed with us this week. You've, you've listened to this your first time. But if you made that decision, I'm telling you, it is the best decision of your life. And believe me, you won't regret it. I want you to email us. This is vantagepoint at gmail.com. I have people that can, that I can connect you with, some insight they can help you on this journey. Stay connected with us into this podcast as we continue to unlock and present God's word and, and prayerfully it's changing you and prayerfully you're gaining something from it. And I'm telling you, next week we're gonna not only close out this series, but it's gonna be the first Easter message of a Vantage Point. And, and we're gonna look at one last episode of who is this jesus and we're going to bring in this all together because now here comes the moment of the resurrection of jesus christ and the reason why it's so important and to understand the gospel and understand his life and i just thank you again for rolling with us we'll see you on sunday